In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Psalm 23, 1 really does echo the previous good news of seeking the kingdom first. As we homeschooled and struggled with financial security, the Lord indeed was our shepherd. Much as we fought to gain control and keep our heads above water, the Lord took over the wheel at the helm of our family ship and guided us along the right pathways for his name's sake. Finally, we yielded, well, for the most part, and life is better for dropping the selfish material desires of our humanity. As we await his coming during this Advent season, let's focus on our relationship with our creator by enjoying fellowship with those we hold dear here on earth, remembering that in the end we'll join him in glory for eternity. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian Magnani. How are you today? Well, I thought winter had finally hit here. It was cold this morning, and I was walking around the house, freezing cold, not wanting to put my heat on. I went outside, and it was warm, so I opened all the windows. So I'm standing here in my woolly sweats again, and all of my windows are open in the house. But my mum has had snow in London. We haven't had anything quite so extreme here yet. In fact, we called England to look uh, to talk to a college and uh, we got a recording saying closed due to inclement weather and apparently Heathrow Airport was um, covered in snow so brr. but I, I asked my mom and she says well yeah it's snowing a bit but I don't have to go outside so she just looks at it and enjoys it um, so this is what's been going on in our house this week we banned our car from our youngest, poor thing. I was writing my Christmas letter, and I usually reread last year's to give me an idea what we were doing over the last 12 months. Well, I mean, last year when I sent my letter. And um, she'd just got her driving license, and she was so excited. And on the way to college this morning, she said, And now I can't drive again. Why not? Well, she takes the wheels for granted and makes presumptions and also lets her passengers smoke. Well, she says, Mum, I can't say no. We're our own people. Finishing with her favourite phrase, I am 18 after all. Well, guess what? I'm 40-something. The car's mine. So I don't think I want it stinking of smoke while she and her friends flex their independence muscles. So for the last two weeks, both of our cars have been off limits. And it's as if we've gone back in time. All the ferrying around that we had got used to not doing this past year has come flooding back as if it were only yesterday. I'm here, there and everywhere with her. Occasionally, Simon will let her learn, will let her use his car, but he's a busy bee too, so I wonder if she's getting the message. We certainly are. 
Yesterday evening we had our reading, or at least my reading group Christmas party. All the women came and they brought their husbands, and there were 12 of us. And strictly speaking, we're not supposed to indulge in season's revelries until Christmas actually befalls us on the 24th evening. But we were both, we were hosting the party this year, so I had to put up the tree all on my own, while my strong blue-eyed cowboy went out on an evening business meeting. And luckily, my eldest son arrived just as I was draping the lights on, so he helped me. And the next day, we hung all the ornaments and put a couple of tables end-to-end down the centre of our lounge so that all of us could sit and have dinner. This year, the theme were tapas. We didn't adhere to Spanish food, but we stuck to the appetizer idea since we all love appetizers. And I know everybody out there does too. Champagne flowed, and we ate and we had desserts, and we enjoyed a wonderful evening. Mmm, that was an excellent idea. We attended Malia's recital last week. That's always such a peculiar event at college, and it would prohibit me from taking any kind of dance class because of the mandatory performance involved. Some of the classes are beginning levels, and the choreography is so basic, it's like watching the three-year-olds from Malia's old ballet school. One group, I mean, we're talking adults here, were actually dressed in black leotards and tights and had green spikes on their backs to resemble caterpillars. It was pretty juvenile, actually. Of course, Malia performed at the highest level and was riveting on stage as usual. I wish you could see her dance. She is phenomenal. And um, it more than makes up for the smoky interior of my car, but don't tell her that. I'm her parent and fan, not her best, best buddy. Um, I'm also in the middle of finishing the Christmas card. I always get them out later than the recommended date because I like getting cards closer to Christmas instead of right at the beginning of December. And I have some relatives in England who get their cards out in the middle of November to me. And so I've got them just kind of sitting around, not wanting to put them out yet. Um, But anyway, I know this year I'm stretching it a bit, but it's designed and the letter is almost finished. Most of the long process falls to me. My hubby designs the card if we're making a special designed card. And he um, composes a greeting inside and he prints it up and is responsible for making all the copies and the cutting and the folding. And this year the design is actually our photograph, which we took in July Only when we looked at the shots after Thanksgiving, Simon decided he didn't like any of the pictures of him because he'd insisted on wearing some kind of hat for each one of his poses. He thought it was cool back in the summer, as in comments, Simon always manages to bomb the picture. So I had to find an acceptable photo of him to send to my filmmaking oldest son, who was editing the photo for the card, and all he needed was his head. It's amazing what he can do. I still have the letter to complete, which Malia said I hadn't written much about her in this year. So I said to her, well, why don't you write your part? And guess what she did? Then I have to print the labels and we all have to sign the card before popping it in the envelope and sending it on its merry little way. Actually, I receive fewer and fewer cards each year. How about you? Last year, we sent out 52 cards and um, I counted up, and we only got 17 back. Some of them were e-cards, which didn't get counted on my list. But um, even so, um, I mostly think that people have lost the habit. I hope it comes back, because I love getting news from around the world and displaying all my cards. Well, 
time for my book excerpt, except this week I'm going to continue looking at how our children made friends with one another. So last week we saw how the boys persuaded their siblings to join them in their interests, which was film and the outdoors. And this week it's the girls' turn. And Paris, my oldest daughter, charms everyone with her love of any kind of board game, card game, and Yahtzee. She's become so good that we have a real challenge to beat her. At 11, she was making up card game rules and manoeuvres akin to her uncle's, that's my brother, creative manipulations of the game we used to play. However, she does have a certain amount of skill, not so much with the remembering of the sequences of cards, more with the speed of her hands and eyes, and she does win fair and square if you can trust her rules. Her special job in the family is on Friday nights. The children have enjoyed a long-standing tradition of re and it was longer standing than the rest, of watching a film on this evening of the homeschool half-day. They'd all pile upstairs when it was still the one-room schoolhouse and sit in their assigned seating. For one, it was Papa's office chair, and that was the prime spot. And then there was Simon's beanbag, and the girls got the four, with a borrowed sofa pillow or two from downstairs. To make it special one Friday, Paris saved some chocolate that she had acquired during the week and made an occasion out of sharing it. This became a wonderful habit, and she was dubbed chief cook and bottle washer in charge of snacks each Friday night. Malia's place as a friend in the close-knit sibling parameters of our home school is her availability to venture forth into the world of the mall and to make phone calls. From a very young age, she's loved fashion, makeup, shopping and talking. She'll make calls for anyone on the telephone. I overheard her confide to her sister one day, I've decided I'm not shy. Consequently, she enjoys a good relationship with phone-shy brothers and sister. She'll happily call Blockbuster each week to find out what's just come out on video or a store to ask if they carry a particular brand of shoe. It is in everyone's best interest to stay on the good side of this sibling who is a willing companion on shopping trips, auditions and interviews. At eight, she's also gained reputation with the scissors. No piece of clothing escapes her eye for style. No neck or hemline is too challenging. No sleeve or strap just satisfies her flair for the unusual. Yes, we can return things in their original packaging, but are the contents still in their original design? Discarded sweater sleeves have become leg warmers, and Goodwill is the store of choice for spare parts. Many a time, the impenetrable door to her bedroom has been knocked on with the appeal, Malia, I need your expert advice on this shirt, or Malia, how long are capris meant to be? She can and will adjust anything to fit. And in payment, a Starbucks coffee goes a long way. My children were turning into natural friends if they were weighed and measured carefully. Before I delude you into thinking that my angels never found occasion to argue among themselves, I need to let you into a little secret. I'm writing this very early in the morning, and there is a hint of rivalry between the siblings because they are all sound asleep and I'm full of well-being. But if we wait a few minutes, I can promise you that the rumblings will start and my household will join the realm of millions of other households around the world where brothers and sisters get on each other's nerves most of the time. 
The sibling rule is alive and well in our house during waking hours. First and foremost, the primary job of the younger sister is to rat on the older brothers, just as it is a given for the older siblings to boss the younger ones around. Nothing's fair and everyone, someone else is always to blame. Another facet of this rule is that we as parents have favourites, which should add to the rivalry but remarkably doesn't. I remind them when the volume settles somewhere below Sonic that families was artfully contrived by God to enable us to test the waters of relationships and in turn be sorely tested. We have all at some time or another, well every day for me mostly, being confounded by God's apparent arbitrary choice of family members. We can be patient or blow a fuse, loving or hateful, helpful or obstructive, obedient or rebellious. We can like each other or not, but thank God we can be ourselves, which is a deafening state of affairs. Bonds are made in time, and if you're astute, which I know you are, you'll recognise all the components of ordinary life outside the homeschool that everyone at the grocery store and in the library is so worried about. Obedience, popularity, enrichment, socialisation, support and friendships. And I have to go on a short break now, so join me again with my guests after this. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginat with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, Fairy Tale. Wishesinc.com and for Diana, the next big zing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true with the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Diana Cohen on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, my 
My guest this week is Diane Finkeith, who is editor-in-chief of HomeFires.com, a website devoted to kindling a lifelong love of learning and empowering parents around the world with the support and resources needed to help their children get a meaningful education at home. Diane writes for magazines, has contributed to books on homeschooling, and is a public speaker at education conferences. She's been interviewed on television for ABC, CBS, and NBC, and has been a guest on public radio stations. And today, she is my guest. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, Vivian. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, good. I've been, I was looking through your bio, and you have, you have written so much for so many different people, and plus you homeschool. And I was thinking, how do you do that? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm one of those people that doesn't require a whole lot of sleep. Oh, so, well. um yeah, I, I'm very, I was. I guess I was fortunate in that way, in, in that it enabled me to have a whole lot of extra hours to to um, be productive, and um, you know, so maybe I'd sleep maybe six hours a night was very typical for me during the time that I was homeschooling my sons, who are both grown now. So um, mm-hmm. now that they are grown and gone, I have, of course, a whole lot of extra time to devote to to my passion for liberating families from conventional schooling, and so I just have have devoted my life to it because I just think it's the best way for people to learn and grow with their families. Well, and I love that. I've actually circled that part in your bio where you say liberate families from the constraints of conventional school because I know a lot of people who don't homeschool and they have lots of children and they're stay-at-home moms and they find the traditional school to be liberating. <laughs> well, I guess it's all in your perspective. <laughs> well, it is. I, know, it is. I, I, I get the sense that you and I are sort of on the same page and that we just thoroughly enjoyed being with our, our children and probably couldn't imagine um, not being um, present for, for every step of the way of their growth. And, and it was so such a rewarding experience for me. I never looked at it like I'm sacrificing my life for my kids. Being with them was all, you know, it was work and play and learning and family. It was all integrated, and it was it was so rewarding to be there with them. And and um, you know, they they just enhanced my life in so many incredible ways. It was it was truly the most joyful experience I think that I ever had. Yes, well, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just love having my children around with me all the time. My husband's at home, too. So we have the kind of house that a lot of children do not have. And I I remind my children of this when they say, oh, you know, other parents aren't always at home. And I say, listen, you will look back on that and you will realize just how blessed you are to have people. And my one daughter has a little friend who doesn't, who neither one of her parents, you know, have her at home. They, they, you know, sort of sent her to live by herself. And she says she doesn't even have a mom that she can get angry with. And she was so sad. And I said, you see, um, you know, you can just kind of have the benefits, the ups and downs, and they can all, you know, have a, have a silver lining in the end. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, and I, I don't know if you're. I'm, I'm not clear on your situation if you're in a very rural area or not. I, I'm in suburbia here, but I will tell you this: that our house was the the magnet, you know, uh, central control for all the latchkey kids who didn't have parents to go home to. Mm-hmm. And so many times they'd come and knock on the door and say that they wanted to know if one of my sons could come up, come and play or if they mm-hmm. could come in and play with them. And when I invited them in and didn't play with my kids, they came into the kitchen and talked to me. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, they really, really wanted that adult interaction and really needed it and, and unfortunately weren't able to get it, but um, they, they were at my house. So 
that was another additional benefit of homeschooling, I think, oh, yes. that I was uh, able to help some of these kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our, our, we live in suburbia as well, and we have the same we have the same thing with different children because the boys were much more. They had friends that were over all the time, and I just loved it. My back door was constantly open. There was always enough food. You know, if they were if I was yeah. cooking dinner, it was kind of sit down. Could, do you want to eat? Even now, when they're grown in their twenties and married, they'll come over to help my son do something, and I'll say, "Well, I'm cooking. Can you eat?" He said, "I can always eat." You know, and so <laughs> I go, "Fine, sit down," and uh, and I love that too. So, um, and I just want to say one more thing to you. I was rereading your bio on the Toganet uh, website. And I, I think it should be required reading for all new homeschooling parents because it, it offers an exquisite glimpse into the possibilities of homeschool life. I just love the stories there and the, and the, the mentioning of the opossums hanging, baby opossums hanging from your hand by their tails and stuff. I mean, that is just such the homeschooling life. It truly is. It's just, yeah. It was just great yeah. to read it, yeah. And and also um, the children embraced it too by realizing that there really were very few limits as to what they could do. Because I mean, they just say to me, "Mom, it, you know, it's part of school or it's part of our education or this is how we want to learn." And I'd go, "Go for it. That's fine. That's, that's good." Just, <laughs> yeah, that's just, a good attitude to have. Just go for it. Well, go for yeah, it. exactly. Well, with the snakes, my husband's a Texan. He said the only good snake is a dead snake, <laughs> and he allowed snakes in the house. I mean, it was just we we said to him, "Just you keep." them right there in your bedroom but i mean they'd end up in the bathtub shedding their skins and we'd have the mice and i didn't like the live mice in fact the rule was if a mouse lasted uh for 24 hours it was released not in the house it was taken back to the shelter or whatever or where it come from <laughs> he'd earned his freedom. <laughs> yeah he'd earned his freedom but oh gosh that was that was weird having those in our freezer and stuff like that so well we could go on forever just chit-chatting about our own personal homeschooling stories but we really need to um talk a little bit about you diane because this is why i um i wanted to talk to you because um you are such a wonderful resource there for um homeschoolers and you've worked since what 1990 when you first started to homeschool, right. you and your husband decided that there really wasn't a lot out there as for you know um, homeschoolers, and so you just um, became very entrepreneurial. And although you probably were already that way, and decided, right, I'm going to fix fix the little gaps that I see here and do something about it. So tell us a little bit about your journal of homeschooling, your home fires. Um, it- well, okay, it, it all sort of started because, you know, we came to homeschooling by accident, like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, we had tried public school, which was just a total chaos in the area where we lived. Um, so we, we um, decided to go try a private alternative school. And then um, that was way too academic, and it was producing a lot of stress for a lot of kids in that classroom. So we flip-flopped to a very alternative kind of a private school the following year, and there my son was sort of um, bullied by another kid, and um, and he didn't, the, learn, um, the method of learning there wasn't in a style that suited how he learned best, so he was miserably unhappy, and he was always the most curious and outgoing and enthusiastic and loving little boy, and at September, October, November, December, January passed, he became more withdrawn, depressed, 
unhappy. Um, he cried often when I picked him up from school. And, and um, he started fighting with his little brother, something he had never done before. He quit mm-hmm. asking questions, and he stopped giving us spontaneous hugs. Mm. And it was, we knew something was wrong, but we couldn't put our finger on exactly what it was. And um, one day he was home for the spring break, and he was, after about three days of no school, he was playing in the bedroom with his little brother, and they were just happy and laughing, and he comes charging out of the bedroom, and he spotted my husband down at the end of the hallway who was getting ready to leave for work. And um, he ran, and he jumped into his daddy's arms, and he said, I love you, Daddy. And my husband turns to me, and tears welling up in his eyes, and he says, I've got my son back. I don't want to lose him again. I think the problem may be school, and maybe we should homeschool him. And, and so that was sort of the beginning of our homeschool journey when he suggested it. Then it was up to me, more or less, to do the research to figure out how you go about doing this thing called homeschooling, which at the time in 1992... Not many people were doing it. So mm-hmm. the minute I started, a lot of people were homeschooling underground at that time because in our state, California, where I live, the state at that time held the opinion that the homeschool through what we call a private school exemption was illegal. It wasn't, and the law hasn't changed since then, but it was the interpretation of the law that was the problem. So we um, homeschooled. Um, as a result of, um, of that, as we started to homeschool, it was kind of an underground activity in California, and I was determined to have my kids outside because I believed the big wide world is the best place to learn, and I wasn't going to hide away from truant officers or, mm-hmm. or, you know, be fearful in our homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So I decided, well, I've got to find more people to homeschool with. At that time, to find a homeschool support group, they, they acted like secret societies. You had to crack the Da Vinci Code to find these people. So mm-hmm. I... I started a little newsletter just called Home Fires, the Journal of Homeschooling, and the idea was I passed it out for free, hoping to connect with other families who might be homeschooling, and it worked. And eventually, Home Fires grew over the next few years. Um, So I had subscribers all over the state of California and eventually all over the country, and and then even into the Federated States of Micronesia, and it grew into like a 48-page magazine, a Mm full-blown publication, Mm -hmm. where we were networking and sharing resources and information with other homeschool parents. And then in the year 2000, as I saw my kids were into the teen years, and the writing was on the wall that I wouldn't have much more time with them, my husband and I thought, there's a few things left we really want to do with them, and I couldn't do that and maintain that publishing schedule. So I decided to stop publishing the hard copy, and I put it all online at homefires.com mm-hmm. and, you know, just continued to um, offer more resources and information and things for, for parents who were interested in homeschooling, but I didn't have to deal with the publication schedule. Mm-hmm. So it freed us up to really enjoy our kids during their teen years in the last few years that we really had them at home with us. So that's well, how well, it happened. Well, and a lot of people, when they hear about um, journals and that kind of stuff today, immediately presume that it's all on the Internet. But, of course, back in 1992, you were physically actually putting together some kind of uh, a, a newsletter That's using exactly your computer. Right. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, oh, it's, thing, it's so different today, you know. That, yeah. And in some ways, I think it's really positive. Well, I know it's really positive. But in some ways, it gives people the luxury of too many options, and it can be way overwhelming. There's just, I mean, how do you know what to trust? There's just so much information available, and it can be overwhelming. And sometimes when you get overwhelmed, you get confused, and a confused mind says no. So, 
you know, people like us just have to keep, you know, being out there and reaching out and trying to help parents and, and guide them through the process so that they can enjoy these extraordinary lives with their families. Mm-hmm. Well, we have about um, 30 seconds before we go on our next break. I don't believe this, this first segment with you has gone so fast so um when we get back i would like to jump straight into um car schooling so um be thinking about that and um i'm talking with um diane flynn keith who is the founder of homefires.com an online now journal and resource center for homeschool families and when we come back as i said we're going to talk about her innovative book car schooling and her popular click schooling which is an e-newsletter that serves thousands of homeschool families so stay tuned How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Come be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people in other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, patsloan.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, hello, we're back, and I'm talking to Diane um, Flynn-Keith. And, um, Diane, you've written a book called um, Car Schooling, and I would like you to talk a little bit about that because I read a little bit, but I want to hear it from you. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, Car Schooling is a book that I wrote. It has contains over 350 entertaining games and activities um, to turn travel time into learning time. And it really is the act of car schooling is the act of learning in the car. Um, it's using the world rushing by outside the car window to learn every subject imaginable in really fun and engaging ways. And the reason why I started... Um, Carswing car car actually started as an article in Home Fires, and it was because my kids at the time were taking, uh, they were in, the, in a small circus for about three or four years, and uh, we had to travel a great deal to get them to the different classes. We had to travel a long distance, at least an hour drive, to get them to their um, trapeze lessons, and then we had to turn around and drive all the way back down another hour to get them to their um, high wire and uh, juggling and uh, acrobatic lessons. And so we were in the car three or four hours a day, five days a week, and uh, and not to mention the time they're spending in class. And at the time, they were quite young, so so they hadn't covered all of the basics yet, and I wanted to expose them to the bounty of life and all of the different subjects and and interesting topics out there. So I had to figure out ways to do that while we're in the car because if we were traveling in the car for any length of time, inevitably what would happen is they'd start playing games like Slug Bug. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Vivian, but it's if you see a Volkswagen bug driving on the road next to you, you can slug the the arm of the person sitting next to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And with my two boys, <laughs> they start slugging each other harder and harder until somebody's in tears, you know. And I'm, you know, in the middle of traffic and doing that over-the-shoulder refereeing stuff and going, you know, stop that fighting, you know, don't make me pull this car over and all these lame threats and didn't work. And I, I would sometimes just sort of burst into song just to kind of get their minds off what they were doing. And I noticed that they kind of enjoy music. So I started looking for children's music and playing that in the car. And then sometimes during the course of the children's music, the artist would stop and tell a little story. And I noticed how they would quiet right down and really listen intently to the story. And I thought, aha, okay, they like books stories on tape, and we found a lot of great ones, like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Weiss and Great Hall Productions, but he has fabulous, it it really is cultural literacy on cassettes, they're fabulous stories for kids. So we we listened to those, but then I started asking other homeschool parents what they did in the car to pass the time when they were on long trips or just on short errands. And homeschoolers are the most innovative people in the world, and they started telling me all the incredible things and ways they had discovered to learn while they were in the car. Now, remember... This was during a time when we didn't have those um, entertainment systems in the car, so people weren't watching videos in the car. Mm-hmm. You had a captive audience, um, and the kids would get bored on these long trips. They couldn't just plug in you know, to television or a DVD. Um, you had to do something. So um, anyway, so we figured out all kinds of fun and engaging games that taught every single subject, and I started to compile them all and went, you know, a lot of other families would enjoy this as well. And so, um, uh, and because I know so many homeschool parents, they're constantly on field trips and they're going to co-op classes and museums mm-hmm. and music lessons. And, and, you know, they're constantly in the car driving around uh, doing errands and, and schlepping the kids from here to there. And I thought they would probably enjoy knowing fun ways to engage in learning in the car too. So we came up with all these things and I put it in the book. And it has teaches every single subject including language arts, math, science, history, social studies, music, art, foreign languages, and even P.E. We cover it all, and we do it all in the car. So in addition to all those great fun activities, 
I also compiled tried and true resource recommendations for audiobooks and educational CDs and DVDs eventually and websites where families can go and print out really fun educational materials that they can take along, put in a binder and use them in the car. And I even devote an entire chapter to like practical things like how to organize the materials to fit safely in your car, um, how to keep the car clean, which is really important, how to deal with car sickness, because a lot of people say, well, my kids get car sick, so we, we suggest all kinds of ways to deal with that, and uh, you know how to solve the she's touching me gripe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he's touching me because, you know, that happens a lot in the car, too. The kids that you're confined to a very small space there. And, you know, if somebody touches somebody else, that can develop into all kinds of problems. So we, we talk about how to deal with that as well. So all those things are part and parcel of car schooling. Well, and I want to um, talk to you about a couple of specifics. But you know what? While you were talking to me, you mentioned something that I want to talk about. You said that your family, or at least your boys, were in a circus for about four mm-hmm. years. So yes. please tell us about that. Oh, well, they were, um, I, I, you know, I just looked into this. Um, uh, my younger son, uh, he was born with that talent of his body will do whatever he asks it to do. Mm-hmm. So um, he's very spatial, and uh, he was involved in boys' gymnastics and was competing with the Stanford boys' um, gymnastics team when he was young. And um, But he got really tired of the competition and just doing the routines for the sake of competing. He just wanted to do fun stuff with his body. And he find, he sort of gave up on the um, competitive aspect of gymnastics. And so maybe a year or so later, we stumbled into this opportunity for a young people circus. And uh, we went in, and the minute my kids saw that they could have fun doing all of these incredible um, acrobatics and, like I said, flying trapeze and tightrope walking and juggling, they were just hooked. And uh, it was a children's circus. It was like a Cirque du Soleil kind of a circus. And um, they got to, they were trained in how to do all of these different things, and then they got to perform on the weekends. And and um, it, it gave them such a wonderful foundation just in terms of performing arts, but also in terms of balancing and the physics of, you know, balancing plates on sticks and sitting up on, standing up on top of a ball and bouncing, balancing on top of it while you juggle and pass pins to other people or, or juggling uh, pins that are on fire and, and they were doing this like at 10 years old, and they just, plus they, they developed a skill. I mean, I'll never forget this, Vivian. When they, could, when they could do that really effectively, I remember thinking to myself, ah, my job is done. They can support themselves. They will never starve to death. They could stand on a street corner and entertain people and make a few bucks to go buy a burger. I mean, I remember specifically thinking that at the time. And it just gave them a wonderful foundation and an incredible confidence and skill in their ability, you know, to uh, plus to interact with an audience. So it, it was yes. a great experience. Yeah. I was going to ask you if they, they did, I suppose they did perform live and um, so had quite a circuit. Did it, did it travel? Did they travel? I mean, around? No, no, it was a local circus. And so they okay. were just here. Yeah. Okay, because they have something like that here that is a children's, um, like a Cirque du Soleil, and um, they travel. And wow. um, that, that looks, you know, really interesting because I have a son who's similar to your youngest son who um, did gymnastics for many, many years. And again, I mean, that just, that ate into our family time because they were rehearsing until like 
eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night and we said yeah. to the coach what about family dinners he said what about family dinners and we're going this is not <laughs> going to work for us and um spending hours at weekends in gyms while they competed and we're going this does not this is not good and so we did have to stop and i felt really sorry for my younger son because he was very very talented my other son went on and danced he he danced at the local um ballet studio and um did really well with that he was very well coordinated too but you see my youngest son now is a rock climber he loves that i mean he has used his body in the way that he wants to do it now and he, although he loved the gymnastics and that he would have loved to have done you know the the circus, the circus arts. arts yeah he yeah. probably would have and you know it's interesting you say that because as my kids got older they segued right into rock climbing as well yeah yeah, yeah and then just... from rock climbing, they went right into um, right into inline skating and skateboarding. You know, and yeah. they were one of them. The, the one that I was talking about that just had really was it was an inborn talent, like with your son. Um, he he eventually got um, got offered the opportunity to go pro as an inline skater and to compete mm-hmm. in the X Games, but he didn't want to do that. He just liked doing cool stuff. You know, he didn't just... he didn't like the whole competition element yeah. of it. Yeah, just for fun. But any sport that he picks up now, I mean, I I did not beat myself up as a homeschooler that oh my gosh, I'm just not exposing. I'm I'm ruining his his chances to be a <laughs> soccer player or a football player or something like that. Because I think to myself, he is so talented. If he decides he wants to be a diver, he can just go and do that because he just he can just do that. But I have my youngest daughter as a dancer, but she is useless at any ball games. I went and played racquetball with her the other day. She just cannot do, she just can't do that. And that she was hand just, coordination, huh? Oh, she was just dying laughing, but she is a brilliant dancer. So, you know. Isn't that my, interesting? Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we did our little detour. So let's go back to your games because I know that you um, you can tell me about a couple of the games. Like, what about the chemistry? How do you do chemistry? Well, can you remember eighteen wheeler chemistry? Yeah, yeah, I do have eighteen wheeler <laughs> chemistry in the book, and on the back of uh, trucks they have um, codes that tell you what the truck is carrying, and the purpose of those is if the truck there's an accident of some kind then hazmat crews can come immediately and see what, what, what was in the truck. And if it's a dangerous chemical like arsenic or something like that, you know, they, they've got to clear the area, they've got to protect people in the surrounding community. They've, a lot of things have to be done. But you can download for free online a list of all of the uh, codes that the truck drivers that are on the trucks, and um, you can use them in the car and identify what different trucks are carrying. And then... Things like arsenic that's on the periodic table of elements, for example, you can take a little periodic table of elements. There's a company called barcharts.com, and you can get it at barcharts.com, that has these wonderful little portable bar charts of all kinds of different information, but they also happen to have the periodic table of elements. So you can take that in the car, and then you can t- check out and see, learn more about that particular element that may be carried in, you know, semis and uh, big rigs that you see on the road. So that's one way to kind of, um, and it, what it does really is show kids how this is, how, how this has pertinence in the real world. Why mm-hmm. is chemistry important? Why do you need mm-hmm. to know that? And my, with my kids, they were always interested in anything that could, you know, kill you. <laughs> 
Yeah. Just, yeah. Well, is it dangerous? How dangerous is it? I mean, they were always fascinated by that. So we would look for and, and see if we could find really dangerous elements and then find out why they're dangerous and what kind of results it has on the human body, if the human body's exposed to it and all that kind of thing. So you could take it in a whole lot of different directions. Um, but another thing we really enjoyed doing, and I'm going to offer this too because I think um, people who are listening will enjoy it, is well, we Diane, I've just been, I've got to go on another break, but I, can oh. you come back after this break and talk to me for another five minutes or so? Oh, great. I'd love to. All right. So just hold that thought. And um, I'm going on a break now. So um, join Diane and I after this. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out MarkLipinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Hello. Today we are looking at the correct way to eat corny dogs and fried chicken with a fork. Not. This is not your hair in a bun with pearls on etiquette class. It's time for How Not to Act with Melanie Broyles. Mondays at noon, 11 a.m. central on toginet.com. Be here as Melanie shows us how practicing good manners should be a way of life, how poise and self-confidence help young people feel good about themselves, and how a child of a healthy self-esteem becomes the adult with a positive sense of self. Royals understands that etiquette is a sensitive topic and has found ways to use humor to make etiquette more fun. For more on Melanie and her programs, go to etiquettestlouis.com. Etiquette is not about impressing people. It's about using kindness, courtesy, and respect in every part of our daily lives. Melanie feels that every one should have the opportunity to feel comfortable in social and business situations. So be here for How Not to Act with Melanie Broyles. Mondays at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm back, and Diane and I are talking about car schooling, and we just talked a little bit about um, chemistry and some of the websites you can go to to find out the codes for these um, chemicals that some of these trucks are carrying. And um, you were going to share something else with us, Diane, just before we went on I break. Was. <laughs> Just because I think that they'll enjoy hearing this. You know when you're traveling long distances on the highway that you oftentimes get 
um, bugs flat on the windshield. Mm-hmm. And this is something we called windshield entomology. You can tell what a bug ate based on the color of its splat or its blood. Now, bugs don't have blood. They have something called hemolymph, which is a clear liquid, and it's tinged color based on what the bug ate. So if the bug's splat is green, for example, the bug ate leaves. If mm-hmm. it's yellow, they ate nectar or pollen. And if it's, um, uh, if it's uh, black, they ate other bugs. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, you'll see red, you know, um, in, when a bug splats on the windshield. But generally, that's, um, it's not bug blood or hemolymph. It, what it is is the eye pigmentation of the insect is just red when it splats. So that that's a little interesting tidbit, you know, to share when you're on those long road trips. Well, fascinating because that does happen a lot. Um, yeah. Um, well, we actually had a hawk fly into us when we were on our way um, down to visit my mother-in-law one time, and that that wasn't a very a very nice splat on our window, but uh, that was kind of scary. What was it that splattered? A hawk. H A W K, yeah, actually a bird flew into our windscreen, windshield oh. one time, and uh, that was awful. That was really oh, bad. Yeah, that, so, I mean, I totally give us bugs anytime. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, there are other things that um, Diane does. One of them um, that interested me was um, click schooling because it's something you change it up every day. You have an idea pop up on this every single day. Is that right? Yes, I do. Um, it's a free newsletter called Click Schooling that I publish. And I, what happens is every single day I go on the World Wide Web and I find a, a, a fabulous educational website that meets my criteria. It has to provide free um, uh, educational material. And so every day if people sign up to receive Click Schooling, my subscribers get an email from me Monday through Saturday with a web-based curriculum idea, a review of an educational website that they can use. And um, Monday is math, Tuesday is science, Wednesday is language arts, Thursday is social sciences, Friday is a virtual field trip, and Saturday I cover electives, music, art, and foreign languages, and I just rotate them out. It's interesting today, because of your accent, I just have to tell you that today on Click Schooling, we actually had a virtual tour of the Tower of London. Oh, well, good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a look at the um, all the jewels? Yeah, well, yeah, of course. The crown jewels yeah. are there. That's right. That's right. But um, anyway, it's a, fabulous, um, it's a fabulous resource. It's absolutely free. People can sign up for it by going to clickschooling.com, and they just enter their email address in the upper right-hand corner in the opt-in form on the screen there, and then they'll be on the list. And I have over 22,000 subscribers now to Click Schooling. Um, worldwide, and I, it's really interesting because I get email from parents all the time who tell me that they use this exclusively as their homeschooling curriculum, which blows me away. Uh, wow. It wasn't intended to be that. It was intended to enhance curriculum, but that's how they're off. So many of them are using it, and so I feel a huge responsibility to, to deliver good material, you know. So um, anyway, that's, that's sort of the story of click schooling. Right. Well, Diane, um, I just want to let all my listeners know that um, you are an extremely, extremely busy person. You do um, talks and um, presentations and you're on the radio and you're on the um, TV or have been and um, you do all of this stuff. And you found the time to come and be on my show. So um, I tell you, I am I'm very, very happy to have spoken to you this afternoon and I'm going to have 
have to have you back because we we hardly covered anything at all uh-huh. compared to the what pleasure you was do. all mine, Vivian. Oh gosh, this has been great, and um, I've been talking to Diane Flynn Keith, and she's a homeschooler who turned homeschooling into a personal enterprise that helps and supports her fellow homeschoolers through her articles, her speaking engagements, her books, and her websites. So go and visit www homefires.com and then follow her links for all kinds of innovative tips and resources diane thank you so much for joining me this afternoon have a fabulous weekend and a blessed christmas and new year thank you you. Bye. bye well that was great i've been talking to diane and um um hang on a minute Let me say goodbye to her properly and so we don't leave her hanging on. Yes, I was talking to Diane and get on her website and go check her out. She's an amazing, amazing woman. I'm very, very lucky to have had her on my show. Um, Anyway, forgive me if I appear to be expanding too much about this magical season of the year, but I do love these holidays because it's the only time that everyone agrees with me in my family and joins me in my enthusiastic pursuit of fellowshipping with family and friends who have made a difference in our lives during the year, but are just too busy to come and play with us at any other time than this, the 12th hour of the 12th month. My excitement is contagious and my family pants, rests for a while and then gets up again to soldier on with me the energizer bunny who will stop for no man my enthusiasm for this season certainly was not born of my parents they would have quite happily ignored it had it not been for their two children who learned how wonderful it could be from peers exuberant italian neighbors the nuns and their grandparents steamrolled my parents developed their very own conservative form of advent and christmas they legally adhered to it and parentally controlled it at at every turn. This, of course, spawned two children who embraced this time with such explosive energy as to run everyone around them into the ground. No wonder families and friends lay low for the other 11 months, recuperating and then preparing for the onslaught of the baggily offspring. As a child, we would start December with Advent calendars, which were carefully selected for their Germanic qualities. They'd be hung above our respective beds to be touched at our peril. Our father would enter our rooms each evening on his return from the office and take out his penknife, with which he would carefully coax open the numbered window in the calendar to reveal a hidden picture and corresponding Bible verse. Heaven help us if the double doors of number 24 appeared to have been tampered with. I have no idea, even today, why he would see red if he thought we dared touch this double-sided piece of glittery paper. The advent wreaths would be placed in the breakfast table. The candles were lit also by my father, and he alone would monitor and extinguish them at the appropriate moment each morning and at the weekends if we all sat down for dinner. The tree, a small artificial affair, would go up on the evening of Christmas Eve while we were in bed. No help solicited by my father for this task. We'd come down in the morning to a brightly decorated tree, no presents yet. Our stockings will have been left at the foot of our beds for us to take into my parents' room once they were awake and divulged of their contents amid oohs and ahs. The contents of my childhood stocking form the basis of the stockings we make for our children, although we use traditional stockings, not daddy's socks. <clears throat> We'd go to mass, come back for breakfast and have to walk the dog. All tedious tasks to be completed before mummy and daddy were ready to play Santa. 
<clears throat> Eventually, we would find gifts set out neatly on chairs in the lounge. And if there was something I wanted but I didn't get, I'd know that there was always the afternoon gifts when my grandparents arrived or my birthday five days later. After lunch, I'd help mummy make sandwiches for the afternoon tea. Then we'd await the arrival of my grandparents. And the evening would be spent eating again and watching a film, usually The Sound of Music. We would be uncomfortable and full. In England, we celebrated Boxing Day the next day, which usually meant travelling to the other side of the family and getting more presents and eating more food. The most distinctive thing about all of this, that we'd spend all day wherever it was we were going with our uncles, our aunts, our cousins, in-laws and twice-removed relatives. When I came to America, I was disconcerted by the apparently careless way family dropped in for an hour or a meal and then went off to bigger and better things Also, it felt to us. But I've got used to it now. I still miss the whole family get-togethers of my youth, where we used to just spend all day at each other's houses. And we always seem to do very well in the present department, as my parents put it, but not nearly as well as our children do. I don't know how the vast quantities of presents got started, because the second Christmas of our marriage saw us with only one child, who had no preconceived notions as to how many gifts to expect, or even if he got gifts. Perhaps we had the money and just wanted to be generous. You know exactly where I'm going with this, because before we knew where we were, we had four children and the mammoth task of coming up with gift ideas, shopping for them, hiding them, then taking inventory to make sure all the children got equal numbers of presents before wrapping them, labeling them and devising special codes so that we knew what to give out on Christmas morning to whom and when. If I added up how much we spent each year, I would have been horrified. So I never did. But deep down, I knew and mostly the gifts weren't needs. They were wants. We cut down a bit by uh, putting a price limit on everything, but they still got lots of gifts and a red flag started going up when I breathed a sigh of relief. One December the 26th, I wanted to throw a party to celebrate that there were only 364 more days until we had to do it all over again. Sandy Fowler, one of my recent guests, told us that she and her family have been making their own gifts for the past 12 years. And I tell you, extending the gift of a meal or a back rub or an evening at the movies is far better than finding an ornament or a rug or towels again. I also make gifts and edible goodies, but they're rarely instead of buying something, usually as augmentation. I make shortbread, lemon curd, Christmas puddings with brandy butter. Um, um, But I used to also make a Christmas cake. But when my husband and I were still eating slices of it in July from the freezer, we realized that I was only making it for us. And we really didn't need the additional uh, calories. So if saying I'm excited is an understatement, let me say I am bobbling with anticipation. When I stop enjoying being the live wire at this time of year, I'll wind down. But for the moment, my batteries are recharged and I'm ready to visit, eat with and enjoy the people around me who make life on earth worth living. While together we share our walk with Christ on the road to eternity and i have used up another hour and it's gone so fast so i'll bid you farewell for this week i'm off to a party oh well i'm actually off to two parties this weekend toggy nets throwing their christmas party tomorrow so we're going to visit my blue-eyed texan's mother for the night she lives in the same town as toggy net on sunday i have my jazz size party hey so far I'm out doing the children. And next week I might go and ride horses. So have a great week and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. And may the Lord watch over you and give you peace. 
And thank you, handsome hubby, for listening. Thank you for joining us for the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi.